Hey, folks, just wanted to touch up on some recent political developments. Um, just to start, I am possibly getting sick. So if I sound nasally, then uh, apologies. So there's two important political developments that I want to go over. Uh, firstly, it's Kamala Harris dropping out of the primaries and some stuff about Pete Buttigieg. Um, so firstly, obviously Kamala Harris is out. She's dropped out. She was considered the national front runner in several polls before, you know, right at the beginning of the primary season. She had an enthusiastic turnout at her announcement rally. And now she's, um, she had to end her campaign. It was the rise and fall of Kamala. So what happened? Well, one thing's for sure. She has no message, no message at all. She didn't have vision, no overarching strategy. She didn't know whether she wanted to be a progressive or a moderate. She oscillated, um, you know, between the moderate side, the centrist side, you know, and the progressive side. She didn't know if she wanted to be the Bernie Sanders wing of the party or if she wanted to be, you know, more associated with the Joe Biden side. So remember at the beginning of the debates, she posed as a progressive. She was, you know, she made it clear that she was either the first or one of the first individuals that co-sponsored Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All bill. And she also raised her hand when asked if she wanted to abolish private insurance companies. You know, and then she totally switched up. She had to backtrack on that, you know, abolishing private insurance question. She was like, oh, I misheard the question. And I, I, she actually doesn't want to abolish private insurance. So then she totally waffled. She ended up having some sort of, you know, public option in her plan that would expand Medicare, but it would also take 10 years to transition into, which is absolutely absurd. And it was kind of telling right off the bat, to be honest. You know, her announcement video was full of these nice flowery, flowery words that sounded good. And it talked about unity and lifting people's voices. But that was it. There was no substance to it. I think that was the theme of her campaign, a lack of substance. You want to be associated with, you know, a particular issue or a particular fight. Let's, you know, for Bernie Sanders, it's Medicare for all. For Elizabeth Warren, it's, you know, tackling Wall Street corruption. For Pete Buttigieg, you know, it's the Douglas plan, the Medicare for all for those who want it. And for Beto, it was, you know, the, it was the gun buybacks. So you want a firm progressive or a moderate stance. And for Kamala, she didn't know which to be. And voters can sense that. Then Tulsi Gabbard gave her the business and smashed her and just completely dunked on her in the debate. So Tulsi brought up Kamala's criminal justice record. I think it was on the second debate. And how it negatively impacted people of color, even though she was in a position to make you know progressive changes for the criminal justice system. Kamala Harris, you know, she was a DA in SF, and then she became California's attorney uh, attorney general before becoming the senator. So it totally exposed Kamala, and it led to people scrutinizing her work. Um, Kamala couldn't even defend herself and gave out the old tired, oh my God, Tulsi met a facade, and laughably called herself a top-tier candidate when interviewed. Like what Donald Trump would say, sad. At the last and you know at the last MSNBC debate, you could tell that Kamala Harris was still upset with Tulsi, 
And, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that Tulsi single-handedly destroyed her candidacy. Kamala had these, like, weird ideas that didn't even help her either. It didn't appeal to, like, working-class Americans. She hedged her bets on trying to get Elizabeth Warren to agree with her on having Donald Trump banned from Twitter. I mean, this is some seriously stupid crap that belongs in, like, a political drama or, like, a Twitter war, an online war. But not if you're, like, a serious candidate for the presidency. She also proposed this ridiculous plan about lowering student debt. She wasn't going to cancel all of it, but she had an idea where if you were, you know, like a Pell Grant recipient, and if you opened a business for three years in a disadvantaged area, you could get $20,000 shaved off from your student loans. I mean, just cancel student debt. You don't have to do all these like weird mean tested, you know, strategies about getting rid of it. I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. And, you know, she also went to like auto, like an auto worker strike and was like, oh, I'm a capitalist. And people on strike, like they don't care. They don't want to hear that. They want to, they want to know if the wages are going to get raised. They want to know if they can, if they have job security, if they're going to keep their benefits, they want management to be more fair to them and give them what they deserve. So by just telling them that, oh, I'm a capitalist, that's just super bizarre. And I don't think it's going to win you any votes. Um, in addition to all of this, the New York Times published a really telling piece on her failing campaign, and it described the conflict with her, her, you know, with her staff and her aides. You know, campaign staffers were mad at the layoffs um, that people were receiving without notice, the lack of respect towards others, the fact that headquarters was located in Baltimore and not, you know, in Washington D.C. or even in California. And the New York Times even received a resignation from a top aide, which revealed the dysfunction within the campaign and the lack of vision and leadership. What I found really interesting was the fact that Kamala Harris put her sister Maya as a campaign co-chair, and people found her really difficult to work with. I mean, anytime you put your family member into a high position, it's going to be, you know, the dynamics are going to be really different and complicated. And I don't think this was a good move. Anyways, I hope this continues with some of the other candidates. I was actually kind of surprised that Kamala's Kamala's campaign just completely collapsed. There's other individuals like Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar, John Delaney that haven't dropped out yet. And they're probably even more awful than Kamala Harris. You know, she did a really poor job in translating her early primary hype and media attention to a really successful campaign. Some folks on the Young Turks have said that she's dropping out actually to protect her California Senate seat. And, you know, she did it early enough where she wouldn't appear on the California primary ballot. So, you know, if she got wiped out on the on the primaries there then it it wouldn't look good for her and that might prompt a challenge. So it could be, you know, a strategic decision by her team. Okay, let's shift the conversation to our friend scumbag Pete Buttigieg. We could use a you know variety of different nicknames for that guy. Sleazy Pete, Slimy Pete, Scumbag Pete, just take your pick. More troubling news about Pete Buttigieg and his relationship to billionaires and private fundraisers. Check out this video. 
God, that video made me sick. He's basically dodging all these questions about his private fundraisers and making it more transparent to voters and the media. He straight up says no to opening up his private donors for media scrutiny. I know you can't see the video, but Pete looks so friggin' smug and disinterested like he just wants to get out of that interview. He's doing this little goofy smile when answering these questions, and when he finally does walk off, he walks off like a little gleeful and giddy schoolboy. This is absolutely disgusting. On the campaign, he'll tell you that he's gonna get money out of politics and that's what he's looking to do, but when he's asked a tough question about the, you know, by the media, he gives you a straightforward no. To me, this is clear evidence that Pete is hiding some backwater deal that he's having with you know, top executives and very well off. I mean, if you have nothing to hide, you would have no problem opening up these fundraisers. Pete already has the most billionaires donating to his campaign. He's probably taking all that backroom cash and then agreeing to do some special favors. What I hate the most about this is the absolute dishonesty. You'll have your, you know, pretty bad and awful candidates like John Mulaney, Amy Klobuchar, Mike Bloomberg, but at least you can tell up front what they're for or against. Pete says one thing and then he does something behind your back. It's a classic dirty, corrupt politician play. In addition to this, the media is finally scrutinizing Pete over his time at McKinsey. Here's a great clip from The Hill Rising that discusses the controversy over his time at the consulting firm. All credit for this video goes to The Hill. Please check them out if you can. Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty are wonderful, and they have great take. Now, if we want to look at now that what he's actually did at McKinsey, because he, he says, well, I didn't, I didn't really do much. I was spreadsheets. only there. I did spreadsheets. I did supermarket pricing. The only thing he cites in the yeah. book is I did supermarket pricing um, uh, for a supermarket that was involved in a price-fixing scheme. But anyway. Right. <laughs> um, I was hoping you'd go down. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the Blue Cross thing is interesting because, you know, at the time, and there was a former Cigna executive on right. Twitter. Wendell. who was, he's, been, uh, he's been on the show before. Wendell oh, yeah. Potter. Wendell yeah. Potter. Wendell Potter was saying, uh, I know what this nonprofit insurer, this is Blue Cross, and this is going to be layoffs because when you call McKinsey in as a health insurance company, mm-hmm. it's because you want McKinsey to say, who do you fire? How much are you going to hike premiums? And that's exactly what Blue Cross did. And Pete says, well, I don't think that my work... But, but did it overlap? So do we know whether? Well, yeah, it did. You know, so okay. so yeah, it did overlap with the pick because that's why McKinsey was called in. And now the actual, I think a lot of the rate hikes happened in 2009, and he, his work was in 2007. But that's, McKinsey was called in to sort of restructure Blue yeah. Cross, and what they did is hike rates. So if you're in Michigan, your health insurance premiums were going to pay McKinsey to tell Blue Cross to hike your premiums right. further and, and fire your friends who work there. And yes. Okay, you heard the clip. 
you don't hire McKinsey to come into your agency just to do spreadsheets. There's a reason for it, and it was to cut costs and raise premiums in the case of Blue Cross Blue Shield. Wendell Potter, a former health insurance executive, talked about this in his tweets, and it was really eye-opening. Even though Pete Buttigieg says that you know he was unsure that his work directly contributed to layoffs and premium hikes, Wendell Potter says the whole point of getting a big consulting firm like McKinsey is to downsize and to get more profit. Moreover, Buttigieg disclosed that he worked with a grocery company. Apparently, this grocery company got in trouble for a price-fixing scheme during the same period. Some debauchery was definitely afoot. The Hill panel also took a look into Pete's choice of choosing McKinsey. As an Ivy League grad, he could have done any job he wanted to. He went to a good school, he was a Rhodes Scholar, he probably had a lot of good connections, and he chose a consulting firm that works with clients including ICE, Saudi Arabia, and others. This to me shows that Pete is just a careerist and an opportunist that doesn't really care about you know doing social good. And, you know, to be fair, a lot of people out of college, they don't like their jobs or disagree with the work that they're performing, but they do it because they need to support themselves or they need to, you know, feed their kids and put food on the table. It's completely different in Pete's case. He had this great, he had these great opportunities for him and he could have done anything he wanted, but chose a controversial consulting agency. Now, I don't think this is going to go well with the electorate. Pete was associated with the jacking up of premiums in Michigan and people getting laid off from Blue Cross Blue Shield. In 2012, the Obama team hammered Mitt Romney for being this rich dude who contributed to people getting laid off. And it was a good play. And it could well possibly happen to Pete Buttigieg as well. It's a really bad look, a really bad one. Now, I hope the media continues to hold Pete accountable. He's been out of the media crosshairs for some time, and he's just getting by. There's a lot of stuff that voters should be concerned about that Pete needs to clarify. His record as South Bend mayor, his lack of black support, his firing of his police chief, his time at McKinsey, you know, what he did um, in the military, private fundraisers, and so on. 